fence all the way around it because I just like to be open. You know, I like to live wide open and I want the church. The church always is open. There's people here all the time. And, but uh, we bought this property, had the fence because it had a school. And so we've always kind of struggled with that. But, uh, but this is an opportunity. We open the gates wide and we invite the community to come. We almost had a thousand people on this campus last year for Trunk or Treat. And so there's three things that we need from our church family because this is an outreach. This is a way that we can really tangibly touch our community in a practical way. We have prayer booths set up. We have, we have intercession and prayer going on for this event. And, and, we, and we have people talking to people and greeting people and showing that Christians can be healthy, happy, holy, faithful, fun-loving. Amen? But I have three things I need. I need your cars. Because what we do is we decorate the cars. We bring them out here and fill up the backs of trunks with candy and pass them out as the kids walk through. We'll have hay rides and dunk tank, dunk tank, moonwalk, dunk tank, food, food, family fun, all those kinds of things. Lots of good stuff here. And uh, it's going to be a great time, but we need your cars. Everyone here, say, I need, I need my car. I need my car. I need your candy. I need your candy. I need you to bring candy. Lots of candy. We need like $700 in candy at least. And that's beside whatever else people buy. So we need lots and lots of candy. And then if you can't do any of that, bring your car. You won't be in town. You can just give a big check. Amen? All right. God bless you. Hey, one thing I want to mention this morning for this coming weekend is our men's encounter on demand. Come on, men. Woo! Every man, every man should be at this encounter. If I could have Debbie, Teddy come at this time. Uh, last weekend, we had our women's encounter, and it just rocked this place. I mean... It was incredible. Come on up all the way around. And it was just an incredible weekend. Friday night, Saturday. I mean, women just got touched by God. I walked in on Saturday night. I walked into the round building over there. There were like 85 ladies in there. And you could just like feel the presence of God. It was so strong as women were dealing with their hurts. and Some women were dealing with their habits and hang-ups and finding freedom in Christ. Because we believe that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? And so uh, Teddy is one of those that was at the uh, Encounter Weekend last women, and I think it was called Free Soaring, Free and Fearless. I knew there was something about free in there. And I know, Teddy, that God really did something special in your life. Why don't you just tell us what God did in your life last weekend? Well, it, it just being together, being with these amazing group of women and getting to pray together and just invest in each other, it's that time that... There wasn't, we didn't have our children and, and we didn't have other things outside. We didn't, have our, we didn't have our phones. And so just coming together like that and seeing each other's hurts and sharing our hearts, we don't have time. Other, so you know. what did God, tell me what God did in you. Tell me what happened inside of you. Tell me, hmm. I mean, did God, maybe it was just small, but oh, just some No, it wasn't. It was the first time for me to give my testimony. And my testimony is my story. It's my beginning. Amen. It's your story. But it's my beginning. It's not my ending. And Come God on, really amen. showed me. Come on. Amen. You know, you can't, you can't make your beginning anything other than what it is. That's out of your control. And we learned a lot about what's our choice and what's not. Well, my beginning's not. But my ending, that's my choice. Amen. Come and so I, I got that and, and got to walk in that and have walked in it every day since. Amen. Thank you, Teddy. God bless you. Appreciate you coming up. Let's give Teddy a break again. Man, if you could stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. 
I appreciate Tom. Hey, Austin, it's great to see you. Jeff, God bless you, brother. Thank you for playing the bass. Eddie Van Halen, I mean, Eddie David, thank you this morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, we already took the offering, right? Did you, turn your, did you turn your connection cards in then? Okay, if you didn't, you can turn them in at the end of the service. If your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to read a few, sir, a few verses this morning. Pastor's prayer for you. My heart for you today is that you would experience the victory and the freedom that there comes in Christ alone. At the end of this message today, if you have a need, we've been, our staff this week fasted Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And we were praying for this service and we were praying for you. We were praying that God would do something in your life that only He could do. Because we believe in a God who has not changed. He's a miracle working God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe today there's a special grace on this church. I believe you've come here today. You might not have felt like getting here today, but you came today and God has something for you. I believe that. Last night in our prayer meeting, as we were praying, it was so easy. It's amazing when there's a group of people that have been seeking the Lord. I mean, really praying and, and, and consecrating to God their week. It's amazing how prayer goes. It was just incredible. And so Saturday night prayer, and once a month, make it out. It's a great time. But Second Chronicles chapter 20 is my prayer for you. We're going to begin with verse number 14. Actually, I'm going to begin with verse number 1. Then we'll skip down to verse number 14. We're just going to talk through this story a little bit this morning. And the Bible says, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Midianites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Everyone say, wage war. Now I want you to skip down to verse number 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levi, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Come on, say that with me. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse number 16. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. And see the deliverance of the Lord. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Korites stood up and praised the Lord. And the God of Israel with a, with a very loud voice. And early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. And they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in His prophets and you will be successful. Let's pray. Father, I thank You this morning that Your grace is here. I thank You that You've given Your people a spiritual ear to hear. 
Lord, we know that you care about us. We know that you love us. We know that your grace is upon this church today to do great and mighty exploits in your name. We thank you that the church is made of people who love you and are dedicated and committed to the cause. Lord, and I bless your people as they hear today. But God, I need your grace today. I can't do this without you. I need a touch from heaven. I need the words that I speak become your words in the ears and the hearts of those who hear. I ask this, Jesus, in your mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Teddy said, everyone has a story. This is my story. I can't do anything about my past. Uh, Listen, even if you had control over your past, you really can't do anything about it, right? The words would have, could have, and should have, I mean, where do they take you? Now, unless you're, you know, willing to make some changes. But generally, when we're using the words woulda, coulda, shoulda, it's kind of in a moping session. It's kind of in a complaining session. It's kind of in a whining moment. Well, if I would have done that. I could have bought that property back in 1948, and today I would have been a zillionaire. I could have bought Microsoft in 1988. and I mean, we have those kinds of couldas. We could have done this, and we could have done that. But listen, guys, woulda, coulda, shoulda, they don't get us anywhere this morning. Everyone has a story, and... I was thinking, I just want to show you a couple of visual images this morning of a, a little bit of our story. You guys have been around, you've heard this story, but there's very few that remember this part of the story. Uh, Chuck, if you could put up a, a picture of the building with the bulldozer in front of it. Can you find that picture there? All right. This picture right here was taken in 2002. You can kind of see the outlet or outline of the letters of the building there, but that was the very first location, permanent location. This is actually where we started City Church in Altamont Springs. We met in our home in Metro West when we lived there for a few months, but this is the very first location. Ty Moon, who was here this morning, was one of the first worship leaders at City Church. And we started in this building in 1999 on Easter Sunday. And I got to tell you folks, it was nothing but short of a miracle that we were even able to have service that day. It was incredible. I mean, it was just really incredible. But the first year that our church, in our first year of existence, I mean, God did some great things. And we had a real sovereign move of God. And many, many people got saved and baptized. And we had people getting married who had been living together. And just all kinds of cool things happened. But after the first year, they they asked us to leave this facility. And through a, a, a series of miracles that God really worked on our behalf and signing a lease and the mall and all kinds of stuff with lawyers and we were able to stay in this building for about three years and we got to about 250, 300 people while we were in this location here in Altamont Springs. And when we were in Altamont Springs, the the final notice that I got is that they were going to tear our building down. Now, uh, go ahead and show the next picture because they really had fun doing it too. This building was located in the Altamont Mall. There's actually a parking garage for the AM-16 and the, uh, and the Altamont Mall, the, the big movie theater that they have there now, where the parking lot garage is, is where this building used to be. And let me tell you, folks, it was a sad moment because we went from a place of a little bit of security to literally no security. We moved into a movie theater across the street. It was called a dollar theater. It's still a dollar theater. But in 2002, it was really nasty. And someone told me they went there recently. In 2012, it was even nastier. Dollar theaters. I mean, it was bad. 
we turned the lights down real low in worship because we didn't want anybody to look around and see. I mean, it was a, we kept the lights off the whole time. You know, you just our very first service in the second theater when we left this location, the very first service in that theater, the title of the movie that was shown showing in that theater was Unforgiven. How about that? I remember I walked in there and I'm thinking, man, take that sign down. What do you mean unforgiving? It was just, it was one of those experiences and it was a challenging time. And we moved from there to this next location. I'm not going to even show a picture of that. It's not even worth showing. But we're going to, we moved to our third location, which was in Longwood. And this was actually a service that took place there in Longwood. And uh, this was a miracle. This was a miracle because in the second theater, they gave us no warning. They told us, hey, guys, we're going to shut down this Sunday. That was a Thursday. On a Thursday, they told us that we were they were going to shut down, and we had been storing some stuff in there behind the screens. And they said, "You better come and get your stuff out of here." And so we had three days to make our next transition. We didn't have three months. We didn't have three years. We didn't get to try all this stuff out. We had three months. Now we had been we had re, been remodeling this building. This building is located on the corner of I four and thirty four in the old Jacobson Plaza. Uh, it's where there's actually a church in there. It's called Grace Church. And there were a group of us back then that, that when we started to work on this facility, before we put new carpet down, we spray painted and we penciled and we crammed and we colored. We had the children come and we wrote scripture verses all over those floors, all over those floors. And I find it very, very interesting that to this day, in the exact spot that we were, where we consecrated that building to God, it's not a church facility. It's a retail space. It goes for, I don't know, at the time it was going for $15 a square foot. It's prime location, prime property. And to this day, there's still a church in that location. Come on, give God a big hand. We just paved the way for Grace Church. We just made a way where there was no way. Grace Church wasn't to be our destiny. It wasn't to be our final place as far as location that we would have for our first property that we would own for ourselves. And in 2004, the Lord directed us to this facility where you are sitting right now. I got to tell you, you know, the stories preach well. But having to live the stories are never easy. The, the stories are never easy. When we read in our story this morning about Jehoshaphat, I want you to see something here in verse number 1. It says, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with the Meunites came to wage war. Everyone say, wage war. Now, when something is waging war with you, I call that a problem. How many of you had a problem before? I've got a friend of mine. He just passed away recently, but he used to. I'd talk to him, and he would say something like this. That's a problem. That's a problem. Uh-oh, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem, all right. They came to wage war. One translation that says make war. I'm like, forget the make war. I like wage war. I mean, they just, you know, when you're in the heat of a battle, come on, it feels like everything is waging or raging against you. Isn't that right? They came to make war against the children of Israel. Peter said like this, Dear children, don't be surprised at the painful trials that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised at the things, the trials, the challenges. The word trials there in the Greek has the context of being multifaceted. Different shapes, different sizes, different colors, different people, different circumstances, different hurts, different habits, different hang-ups. I mean, whatever you want to call it, we've all got problems that come into our life. We've got problems that come into our life. And this is what I know about problems. Some problems are a direct result of satanic attack. 
I mean, some problems are a direct result of the enemy working in our life. But some problems are because we've involved ourselves in sin. I mean, sometimes the problems that we are staring at in our life are a direct result of our own sinful choices. Sometimes problems happen just because you live in a fallen world. Bridge falls down. What happened? Well, you know, they built the bridge 200 years ago and some structural... I mean, I mean, just things happen. Everyone say, things happen. Life happens to everyone. Things happen in this life that are completely out of your control. It just happens. You live in a fallen world. Everyone say, fallen world. And the sooner we get a hold of the fallen world and living in the fallen world and stuff happening in the fallen world, the better we can deal with the challenges that come our way. The challenges will come to every single person. But here's the thing. They, they have natural manifestations, but they always have spiritual consequences. They have natural manifestations many times, but they always have a spiritual consequence. You see, the battle that we fight this morning is not a battle of flesh and blood. I got some really challenging news this week, and it was one of those just kind of hit me in the face. And I remember the battle that I had in my mind. You see, the, the warfare that you are waging today, the greatest challenge isn't the problem that you are facing right now. Oh, it might be a lack of money. It might be a sickness in your body. It might, I mean, it might be a relationship that's sideways. It might be that you can't find a job. I, I don't know what the, what the challenge is for you today, but the greatest battle you have right here is in your mind. The greatest battle that every person in this room fights is having a right mindset towards the challenges. Having a right perspective towards the challenges and the circumstances and the things that come against me. Now, here's the deal. Although we don't fight naturally, although we do fight naturally at times, although we do fight naturally at times, we must recognize that the warfare that we fight is not carnal, but it is mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. Paul the Apostle said it like this when he was talking about the believer dressing himself. He said, we have battles against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. See, the unseen world is so real. And the enemy has come to fire darts against your mind, against your heart, against your spirit, to get you focused on yourself, to get you focused on other people, to get you focused on your problems. Then it begins to grow. It just begins to grow. And it begins to get bigger. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. When you're looking at those problems, all of a sudden, they become really big. They become really big. It says, matter of fact, in verse number two, it says they vast army. A big problem. I mean, it was a big problem. It was a big problem that they were facing. It was a big problem as City Church has made its journey. And as we've walked through the stages and the challenges and the economic challenges and the trials, I mean, sometimes the problems can be really big. I mean, how big is big? Big. But I want you to know today, we have a bigger God. Come on. We have a bigger God. You have a bigger God than your problem. You have a bigger God than your circumstance. Because see, although your problem may seem big, when you set it up against an almighty God who holds the universe in the palm of His hand, all of a sudden your problems start to diminish. They start to become small. The Bible says that in the presence of almighty God, your mountains begin to melt. The problems that you have when you begin to get a right perspective on them, when you begin to understand that, listen, this thing ain't about me. 
There's someone bigger. There's someone who's on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Everyone said amen. Look what happens here, verse number 3 or 4. And the Bible says, alarmed. <laughs> I don't like that word alarmed. Alarmed just means like, hey, I'm a little bit, you know, hey, we should be aware of this. Actually, in the Hebrew, the word means he was fearful. He was dreading. I mean, the word of Hebrew is way more experienced. This concept of being alarmed. Yeah, he was alarmed. But listen, they were about ready to get crushed. They were about ready to be destroyed. They were about ready to be killed. I mean, they were about ready to lose their lives. They were alarmed. Yeah, right. They were in great fear. I mean, fear had come against them. This week, our staff is committed on the first Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of every month for the rest of this year to fast and pray for this church. Every single Wednesday and Thursday, Friday for the first three days of the month. You know, that's exactly how we started our church. For the first three years, every single Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we fasted. The first Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Every single, every single Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I just, we were, we were facing some challenges as a church family. And I said, guys, let's just do what we know to do. Let's do exactly what Jehoshaphat began to do. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat resolved to seek or inquire of the Lord. Come on, let's inquire of God. And look what he does. He proclaims a fast. I don't know what it is about fasting. Fasting is a work. Really what it does is just it humbles your flesh. Because what you're doing is you're taking control over your appetites. And so what I do when I fast is I watch the food channel and I watch the cooking channel. No, come on. I just torture myself. I Actually, I was watching my wife. We're watching this food channel on Thursday night. It's like the second day. And they're like, and they were making like nasty stuff. And I'm like, oh, that looks good. Oh, that looks real good. Jesus fasted all throughout the Bible. I mean, men fasted 40 days. I mean, they just it's from the beginning of time, men have called on God. From the beginning, actually from Genesis chapter 4, it says that Seth, from that time forward, the third son of Adam and Eve, men begin to call upon God. Men have always called upon God in times of need. So we resolve ourselves to seek the Lord. We fast. In other words, we set our heart to do what God has asked us to do. God, we're seeking you. Look at the second thing this morning is that God, is that Jehoshaphat humbly acknowledges his dependency upon the Lord. He humbly acknowledges his dependency upon the Lord. In verse number 7, man, he, he starts recounting all the benefits of God. He starts talking about Abraham being a friend of God. And the promises that God made to Abraham. See, if you are here today, and you're hearing my voice, and you've accepted Christ, you are a son or a daughter of Abraham. You know what that means? It means you're a person of faith. It means you have a different belief system than the world. My son was telling me last night, he was talking to one of the young men in our church that got saved, really good saved, when he was about 16 years of age here at City Church. He was at Seminole High School. God rocked his world. And he was one of the very first students that came into the church. And now he's actually on staff. And he's running the children's ministry with the Millennium Campus. And he said, Keenan, he said, I got to tell you, I am a different person. I don't even think like I used to think anymore. I mean, I have a completely different way of thinking about life. See, that's the battle. The battle is in your thought life. The battle is in your thought process this morning. And Jehoshaphat, in verse number 5, the Bible says, listen, then they, if calamity, and I don't like that word if, but when calamity comes upon us, 
whether sword or judgment or plague, we will stand in, the, in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry in our distress, and you hear us, and you will save us. He made a proclamation. He declared. He stood before the people. He began to remember the promises of God. you got to know the promises in order for you to remember them. You've got to get the Word in you before you can begin to quote the Word of God. He began to recall the promises of God. He began to pray. He said, God, we're not going to leave this place. We're not going to leave this place until you do something in our life. But here's the deal. He acknowledged that he was powerless and he didn't know what to do. He acknowledged that he was powerless and he didn't know what to do. Three things that I've found in our life that we find ourselves many times powerless and not knowing what to do. When we have a relationship that goes sideways and the other person just closes us off. I mean, you just don't know what to do. I mean, it could be a spouse. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. All of a sudden, they unfriend you. I had a friend. They unfriended me. They changed their phone number. They deleted their Facebook account. I mean, I don't know how to contact person. I don't know what to do. I mean, I can pray for that person. I care for that person. But I don't know what happened. They just, you know, it doesn't work. I, I can't make that relationship happen. Can't make it happen. I mean, you know, what do you do in that situation? Maybe it's a marriage. I, maybe it's your child. A friend of mine, a very well, very well known evangelist in the United States of America, he has a brother who's completely disconnected himself from his mother and his father, and from his brother. He's completely disconnected himself. And I was talking to his dad a couple of years ago about his son, and, and he started telling me about this boy. And I said, What happened? He says, I don't know. He just said, One day, he said, Dad, I really don't ever want to talk to you again. Wow. I mean, can you imagine your boy? I mean, your own flesh and blood cutting you off. Maybe you've had that. You don't know what to do. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm powerless against this big enemy. God, I'm powerless to change my circumstance. I'm powerless to change my world. Oh, God, what do I do? Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt powerless? Have you felt like you couldn't change reality? I want you to know that there's hope today. I want you to know that in God, there's hope today. You see, what you need today is a word from God. What you need today is a word from God. And I want you to know that God is faithful. God always brings the right word in the right time. God always brings the right song in the right time. God always brings the right message in the right time. God always brings the right friend in the right time. Every time. God is always just on time. He's just on time. Oh God, what do we do? This vast army has come against us. We're powerless. We're outnumbered. We're, we're too small. Don't give up hope. It's what I know about Jehoshaphat. If you read his story, he didn't do everything right. You know, sometimes I, 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 when I identify with characters in the Bible, I, I read about the perfect guys and I'm like, man, I was perfect. I wish I was perfect like Daniel. I mean, Daniel, like, just never messed up. I mean, that just hasn't been my life. I wish it had been my life, but it just hasn't been my life. Not one bad thing, Joseph. You know, not one bad thing ever written about Joseph. Abraham, I don't know, maybe a little bit. But I'd identify with guys that made some mistakes in the past. Jehoshaphat, man, his heart was set for God, but he didn't do it all right. But he knew when he got to trouble, he knew where his source was. He knew where his supply was. 
He knew where his strength came from. He knew where his hope was. He knew that his hope came from God himself. A big God. A mighty God. A saving God. A delivering God. A God who is full of hope. A God who knows the needs of his children. Listen to this in verse number 14. In the Spirit of the Lord. In the Spirit of the Lord. In the Holy Spirit. John 15 said, the Counselor, the Comforter, Parakalitas, Parakalitas, the Holy Spirit. We were singing that song like a lion, roaring lion, how it goes, roaring lion. And you know what that roaring lion inside of you is? That's the Holy Spirit. It's the, the guarantee, the seal of the deposit the moment you said yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit came and lived inside of you. And that roaring lion that's rising up and saying, Devil, no farther. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to give my life to God. I'm going to call out to God. I'm going to stand here until God shows up. God, I'm going to stand in this place where your presence is. Oh, and the Spirit of the Lord came. The Word of the Lord came. You see, God used a prophet in the Old Testament. He still has people who speak prophetically. I mean, one of the things that the enemy will try to do is to keep you out of church on Sunday morning. Today, only half of the 9 o'clock service is here because the other half felt like they didn't need a word or they were too tired or they watched too many movies last night. or I mean, whatever kind of reason you have, whatever kind of reason you have, listen today. That's why you don't miss church. That's why you go Sunday morning. That's why you need to be in church on Wednesday nights. I mean, my, I'm not a, something like, my pastor was so good growing up. He only preached 32 minutes, and his services got over every Sunday at 12 o'clock, and they never went out longer than an hour and 10 minutes. But let me tell you, boy, he was straight up. He said, if you're not in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you've got a problem. It's a spiritual problem. And he would say it every week, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. He would say it every Sunday morning, and then he did that for 15 years. I grew up hearing that every, I should just start saying that every week. Because you've got a problem. Because you think that somewhere out there, there's a solution to your problems. But God has called us to be part of the household of faith. He has called us to encourage one another while it is day. You see, your answer comes from the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord came. You're in a worship service Wednesday night. Tom's leading us over in the round. Spirit of God just comes in that place Wednesday night. You just feel it. You come Sunday morning. What is that you feel? That's the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of the Lord in the presence of the Lord. I love that song, you know, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Let me tell you, that place is right here inside of you. And Jehaziel, he had a word from God. I got a word from you today. And listen, this is what the Lord says to you. Look at verse number 15. And the Lord said, listen, Jehoshaphat and everyone else. Listen, Eugene. Listen, city church. Listen up. Come on, hear me. Listen to my voice. I got a word for you today. This is what the Lord says. I didn't say this this morning. This is what God says. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Oh, come on. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Oh, our natural response when we get bad news is what? Fear. All of us. We're humans. I mean, Jehoshaphat, man of God. Whoa. Greatly alarmed. I like, you know, like he's a... Yeah, I mean, that guy was like trembling in his pants. He was just, if it was a men's meeting, we would tell a different story there. But he is afraid. And the word of the Lord comes and says, do not be afraid or discouraged. Why does God say that to us? Because our natural tendency is to be what? 
afraid, fearful of our future? What if we don't have enough money to pay our bills? What if it's not going to work out? The natural tendency became discouraged. It's just the human nature. It's because we live in a fallen world and we're humans, we're flesh and blood, and we have this spiritual warfare going on inside of us. God comes to you and says, Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Jesus was with his disciples and they were afraid. They were out in a boat. And the boat was beginning to sink. And Jesus said to them, Jesus said, to the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jesus said, Don't be afraid, guys. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. Don't be afraid today. I don't know what's happening in your world. I don't know what's happening in your life. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Spirit of God has a word for you. Isaiah says it like this. But this is what the Lord says. He created you. He formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You're mine. You're God's today. You're His child. You're His favorite. I'm His favorite too. But you're His favorite. You're a king's kid. You are. You're made in the image of God. You're valuable. No matter what your past has been, no matter what anyone has said about you, no matter when you look at the mirror and how you see yourself, God said, I formed you. You're unique. You're special. I've given you a special DNA. I've made you for a specific purpose and calling. I've designed you for a a destiny that only you can fulfill in this life. I love Teddy. You just preached my sermon. You got a choice. But you got a choice. Oh, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. The prophet comes. The word of the Lord comes. He gives them clear direction about their future. You'll not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see your deliverance. The Lord your God will go with you. This battle is not yours. This battle is the Lord's. I mean, all these things. This battle is not yours. But this battle is the Lord's. This battle is the Lord's today. This battle isn't yours. Here's the deal. This is what happens. You get a word from God. And then something in your heart something in your heart has to start giving Him praise. you got to start giving Him praise. you got to start giving Him praise. I want to preach this week say, listen, after you prayed, don't keep begging and pleading and crying and whining and wallowing and whimpering. Just start giving Him praise for the answer He's already sent. Come on, just start giving Him praise. Just start lifting your voice in praise. Just start declaring the goodness of your God in verse number two, 22. It says, and they began to sing and praise the Lord. They begin to sing and praise. What a crazy thing to do. You gotta be kidding me. All hell's breaking loose. Finances aren't working. Marriage is falling. And you want me to sing? And then you want me to go get the rest of the guys and have them sing? Look at verse 19 and 20. I mean, they get the worst. They actually get the men. Wait a second. They get the who? Now, he consulted with all the people, but he got the Howards. Come on. He got the Howards. Come on, brother, stand up. He got my brothers right here. Come on, Lee, come on over. He got my brothers right here. Oh, come on. Where's Richard at? Come on up. He got the brothers. Come on, stand up. He got the brothers. He said, brothers, it's time to sing. Come on, it's time to sing. It's time to give praise to our God. Come on, Roger, start to lift your voice. He got the men, and they begin to praise, and they begin to worship. And I want you to see what they did. It wasn't with the soft little wimpy voice. We ain't, I ain't going to make no fun of no church. But let me tell you, we ain't afraid and ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. For it is the power of God unto salvation 
first for the Jew, but then all of them that believe. Listen, look what they did. With the, what kind of voice did they do it? Look at that verse right there, verse 19. What kind of verse? What did they do? Hey, bless God, we're going to work. That ain't stinking worship. Give me a break. When you got desperate times, you'll do desperate things. And desperate people from the belly of their soul begin to give God praise. Oh, with a loud voice. I mean, they could hear them all the way over to the Baptist church across the street. They could hear them all the way down to the Catholic church on 46. They could hear them all the way down in the bar over here at Wings House getting fired up for Sunday afternoon football. And the people began to shout with God with a loud voice. Oh, your victory is in your praise today. Come on, your victory is in your praise. I got a praise. I got a praise in the house. Come on, can I get a praise in the house? Come on, can I get a praise in the house? Can I get a shout in the house? Come on, can I get a praise at City Church? Can someone lift their voice? Come on, get that burden off of your back. This is what happens when you begin to give Him praise. That burden. Oh, every devil of hell. Listen to me. Listen to me, guys. Let's just stay here just for a moment. We're going to close. We're going to close. Because we need some victories. This is what happens. Life. Life happens. Problems. Oh, my kids. My finances just ain't working, God. God, I got this sickness in my body. And that's just the thing is, sometimes they don't just go away. I mean, it could be a five-year, ten-year. I've seen people 20, 30. 40 years, my mother carried this burden for her own mother's salvation. 40 years, 45 years, always heavy, 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 heavy burden. (laughs) I don't know how long your battle's been today, but I want you to know the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. And something happens when you begin to get praise. So you welcome the presence of Jesus into the place. You welcome the presence of Almighty God. And that's where the blessing starts to flow. That's where the victory starts to come. Come on. I don't always feel like it. I don't always. I, last Saturday night, I sat in here busted and broken, disgusted and bumming out and frustrated and all those things that you get playing the violin for myself. Nobody here. Woe is me. Oh, God. And I just started giving them praise. And I started praying for my friends. And I started blessing the Lord all my soul. All that is within me, I bless His holy name. And as I begin to give Him praise, come on, go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Give it to verse 20. We're going to get to the end of this here. Go to verse 20. Verse 21. They got all the men, and they begin to give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. And boy, let me tell you, they didn't have to fight that battle. God just began to work. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how that circumstance turned around. But when they went and looked out over the valley, when they went and looked, all their enemies have been defeated. They didn't do it. Well, the only thing they did, what they do, they positioned themselves. They put themselves in the right place. They were in a church service. They were reading their Bible. They were going to, you know, they were serving in the local church. They were giving their tithe. Even when it didn't make sense, they positioned themselves to re- re- receive a breakthrough from God. And when the moment came, there was a praise that birthed forth from their spirit. And when you begin to give God praise in the midst of your darkness, 
You are inviting the light of the world to shine down upon you. And when that light comes, the darkness flees. The darkness scatters. God will be in your midst. Let me tell you, if God is for you, this ain't just, listen, they weren't moved just by a bunch of emotion. You know, it says they believe the word of the prophet. They believe the word of the Lord. You've got to believe the word today. Come on, you've got to believe that God is greater. God is bigger. God is for you. These ain't just words that were written 30,000 years ago for someone else. This was written for you today. So I don't know what song we're going to sing. You've got a good song we're going to sing. But we're going to close. Come on. you got a song? What's that? Okay. Whatever. Whatever. Roaring Lion song. Okay. We're going to sing God's Not Dead, Roaring Lion. And here's the deal. I got my brothers up here right now, and we're going to pray because these men, these men are men of faith. And you have a need. You got a financial need. You have a physical need. Maybe you got sickness in your body. Let's not leave this place. Hang on, Tom. Hang on, hang on. Eric, you got to hear what I'm instructing you to do because it's 1021. I got to run over to the other campus here. But listen to me. You got a need in your life. You got a need. You need a touch from heaven. We're going to lay hands on every person that comes forward this morning. Let me just move this leak. And you guys just get all the way back up to the altar here. You guys can just kind of stand up like this so people can come. Maybe push back the chairs just a little bit. I want every person here, you got a need in your life. The worship team in just a moment is going to begin to lead us about this roaring line that's inside of us. And you need a touch from heaven. We're going to lay hands on you today. And we're going to believe for miracles. Maybe you have a financial, there's a lot of financial needs in our community, in our generation, in our world. Maybe you got a spiritual, I don't know what it is. I don't even care today. But God's way bigger. God's way bigger. Right now, you have that need in your life. I just want you to begin to make your way forward. And guys that come first, you just begin to spread out along the line. Come on, just begin to make your way forward right now. you got to need. Don't leave this place. Don't leave this place until you encounter God today. you got a physical need. you got a spiritual need. Come on, church. Just come all the way forward. We're going to line up, guys. I need some help. Just get in and get help. Come on.
God brings great victory today. Listen, you'll have a time. If it wasn't today, you'll have a time. That's that problem, that circumstance becomes so overwhelming. It's not if, it's just when it comes. It's when calamity comes. It's when trials come. They found themselves in that battle. God fought their battle. They obeyed the word. They continued to do what God told them to do. And there was great blessing. And they went back when they looked over that valley. Jehoshaphat, that's called the Valley of Barak. It was the place between the Mount of Olives and the city of Jerusalem. I begin to study this passage really in depth this week. And what I begin to realize is that right on top of the Mount of Olives, right on the very top, is the last place that Jesus stood before he ascended into heaven. Right there in Jerusalem, it's directly across. It's a 2,900 foot mountain. Jerusalem is right around the same distance. There's this valley. In Jesus' day, it was called the Kidron Valley. And right there at the edge of the city of Jerusalem was the temple, the place where they'd offer sacrifice. You know, they would offer thousands of bulls and goats, and they would have these little troughs where the blood would run down outside the temple court. They'd have these troughs that were built, and they would run this blood down to the valley. So your victory today is because of the blood of Jesus. You see, there was a sacrifice that Christ made for you. And one day, He's coming again. And you know where He's going to land? He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. You know where on that exact place is today? You know what there is? There is a mosque. You know He's going to do to that mosque? <laughs> It ain't going to be no more. He's going to place his feet there. He's our ultimate victor. I just want you to believe today. I want you to know that God is for you. He loves you. He cares for you. And I, this is my prayer for you today. Not just emotion. Yeah, we love it. It's in the moment. Because come on, one word, one song, one touch. One touch is an indication that we're chasing after God. Chasing after God. I'm going for God. I don't understand all of His ways. I don't. I don't understand all of God's ways. I don't even understand what's happening in my life today. But I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to give Him praise in my darkness. And I begin to give Him praise. That darkness begins to, begins to scatter. Father, bless Your people today. And until we meet again, God bless them. I pray today the enemy would not be able to steal this word. I, I pray, God, for spiritual breakthrough in this house. I pray for miracles financially and spiritually and relationally. God, Jehoshaphat did his part. He got the people ready. He fasted. He prayed. He positioned himself. But God, you did exceedingly abundantly more than he could have ever asked or thought. And Lord, that valley became the valley of blessing. God, let our valleys in our life, our dark seasons, become the greatest blessing we've ever had. Because it was there, Lord that we learn to completely surrender and trust you. Bless your people today in the wonderful, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Can we give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning?